This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 236, which is going to be a hodgepodge episode. Um, A few mini life updates, a discussion of time tracking, and some listener questions because we keep getting awesome ones and want to get to as many as possible. Um, So Sarah, why don't you update us a little bit on on life right now, which we're recording this in late January of 2022. Yes. Okay. So I recently created an elaborate screen time rationing, I don't know, allocation system (laughs) for the kids. I think this happened after one of my husband's call weekends when everyone was basically just stretched out on the floor on their devices for like a million hours. I'm not gonna say I felt guilty, but I just, I had the sense that when I forced them to go off that they were losing the ability to be able to entertain themselves in any other way. And I just, it was too much for me. So I decided to just create a little bit more structure around it. And this is not like a minimalist screen time system, but more just so they know like what they can do and also to tie certain behaviors to screen time. And so for the nuts and bolts of the system on weekdays, 
or sticking to just like TV shows only. Because once they start playing video games, it's just too addictive. They get sucked down. They get more hyper. Like I can't on weekdays. But on weekdays, once they've done their homework and had dinner, taken a bath or shower, I think that's pretty much it. They can watch. That usually means that because they have activities a lot of days, that doesn't happen until 6.45 anyway. So it's perfect. They get like, And then they can watch until 7.30. And that's like the cutoff time on the weekdays. On the weekends, they... And I typed this all out with Annabelle's help, by the way, so that the kids had like buy-in and that I can refer to it and like I put it up on the wall. On the weekends, they get 90 minutes as a baseline, but they can earn up to 90 minutes more for a total of three hours. So they can get from 1.30 to 4.30 on screens if they've like done various things throughout the week, which they seem pretty motivated to do. And that screen time can be spent doing anything, playing video games, doing whatever. And this is our first weekend on this new system. So I will have to report back. They're pretty good, actually, about knowing that they're not going to get it before a certain time. Like, we always had 1 or one thirty as our cutoff time. And, like, I guess I've just been firm enough that they're not going to ask me at 10. The hard part is getting them off. So <laughs> it's the 4.30 that's going to be, like, a hard sell. But I just... I've got to make sure they can do something else that's self-directed other than that. That's just my feeling on it. So. We'll see how it goes. I wonder if having something that's going to happen around 4.30, like, right, like we're going to go out for a bike ride or we're, you know, some, we're going to go find a friend might help with the incentive part there. Absolutely. I think so. I think we're going to have to, have, if they don't want to do that thing, then fine. Then you can do your other quiet indoor activity, like whatever else non-screen, but like having an option, we're going to, and I think maybe making it social so that they're, if they're meeting up with a friend or like going to the playground to see somebody that might be more enticing. So definitely. And I was just going through your life updates you've listed here. (laughs) My life update list. Okay, yeah, my second life update is really boring. I've been going to bed really early. I think it's the winter. Like winter is just, and it's not even cold. Like here, it's not even cold. Although my phone keeps giving me these like alerts. There's like freeze warning is coming. Like it's going down to 35. And I don't know, probably it's like a plant thing. Like maybe people's plants might die down here. I don't know, but it's kind of exciting. That's really cold for here. Freeze alert. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we don't get this. But, it, <laughs> Guess but <what>? yes, <laughs> it's still <laughs> cold. <laughs> but having the kids on a better schedule, like making sure their devices are off by seven thirty and going upstairs, means that they go to bed and then I go to bed. Like I don't have any energy after that. So whatever, it's been great. And then my third update is that I remain off of all social media, which I actually might be a lifetime. I don't know. I'm just now that it's gone. I'm like. I don't miss it at all. And I feel like there were some negative feelings that I had when I would scroll Instagram that were not worth the positives that got out of I got out of it. I still read blogs. I like to comment on other, other people's blogs. That doesn't seem to bother me at all. I subscribe to podcasts. I am on a couple of Patreon. So it's not that I don't want to interact with people online. I just don't want to do it via an app like Instagram. So I'm off of that. And then finally... I'm really enjoying Wordle. Now, by the time this airs, probably the entire country will be doing Wordle because it seems to have taken off like wildfire, except for Laura. Yes, so I am not doing Wordle. I don't know. I, I'm not really tempted right now. I don't need... You know it takes five minutes, right? I'm, I'm like, sure. that's all you get. I'm sure it's a great thing. I like. I, I totally support it for other people. Like, I think it's a great thing to do in a small bit of time. And, you know, there's only one a day, right? Like, I get so it's, you know, you can't spend that much time on it. It's like a little treat every single day, but nope. Not doing it yet. Yeah, my life updates. Uh, you know, I we just did the whole episode on moving, so people don't need to hear about that. But uh, we 
or, you know, I've been turning in the next round of edits on um, Tranquility by Tuesday, uh, choosing covers. So that's what's going on work-wise right now. So pretty excited about that. I got a tiny cover sneak peek. Yeah, well, we're, we're doing different ones. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I forget yeah, what no, I even, we, um, I don't even remember my feedback anymore. Uh, yeah, but. well, I, I decided I didn't like the one that we were going with, so we did new ones. Well, we'll see how it goes, but it's been complicated. Another life update, we recently did the um, time tracking challenge. So we had about 4,000 people tracking their time as part of the 2022 time tracking challenge. It was great. And I'm getting logs. People have been sending in logs. It's it's hard to get through all of them because there's a lot of them and I'm trying to respond thoughtfully to, to all of them. So you know, I'm still going, kind of do a couple every single day, much like the boxes, unpack a few boxes, send a few emails about the time logs. I will get through all of them. It just takes a bit of time. But you you did the time tracking for a while, right? Like you or a day or two, a couple days? I did it for like most of a week, but then I had a really bad day and I was like, I'm not, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I was emotionally unable to time track, which is a bad excuse because you've done it for six years and I'm sure you've had a few or eight years. I don't even know. You've, I'm sure there's been a few bad days in there. Well, I'm so I'm curious, yeah. like what was, what was the making you feel like you didn't want it? Like, it seems to me that that's sort of separate. I just had from- some, it is totally separate. But like, you know how you have like such a bad, I had a very work stress related Mm -hmm. day and I was just so upset about some things. I just like didn't want to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't. And so you you wouldn't just see I, when I get like stuff like that, I often just don't put any notes. I just be work, 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 work on the 30 minute thing. And I'm not saying anything about it. I'm just saying like this, I was at work. I was working, whatever. I mean, you could say, yeah, you were just at work and like. I could have. There's no reason that I didn't. I think I just. Like, I didn't fill out my planner that day either. Like, I was just sort of like, I hate life. I like, hate everything. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, sometimes that happens. I, I think I do a lot of time tracking like halfway organically because I often set up my planner with like a little timeline and I write in my kind of hard landscape stuff. And then I tend to like write in as things are happening, like what else is happening. So like to some extent, I do time tracking. I don't feel like there's a lot of surprises in in how I spend my time, especially now that I'm like off of social media. That that definitely helps. And I'm kind of boring. Like a lot of my days are very similar. I, I like my morning routine. I like my like nighttime routine where most nights I'm just like putting the kids to bed and reading and I'm fine with that. So I don't know. I, I think it's a great exercise though. I, I do think it's, especially if you're kind of like not sure which routines are serving you or how long things really take. Like, I feel like I have a handle on that right now, but maybe like after the move or when the big kids go to camp, like when things change, I want to do that again to just be like, okay, are there new opportunities now perhaps to take advantage of pockets of time that weren't there before? Yeah, no, that's definitely a good idea. Um, It's been interesting seeing people's logs, like what comes in. Everyone who sends it in, like, well, not everyone, but a lot of people like this was not a typical week. I was like, well, it never is. You know, this is sort of life. We have a picture of what our life should look like. And life never quite looks like that because life happens. And then we're like, oh, that wasn't a typical week. It's like, well, you know, probably whatever it was, it was more typical than atypical. It's just the, um, you know, life never does go completely as planned. You know, these are people who, for most in part, these are people who subscribe to my newsletter. So there's a lot of like great stuff going on there at time. Like these are people who are into productivity. Like, you know, so there's a lot of people with these impressive morning routines or they're, you know, doing two workouts a week during their lunch break and then the two on the weekend. So they've got their four, you know, and uh, like uh, there's just it's fun to see um, how much awesome stuff people have going on in life. But I would say that one thing that's coming up a lot and might be surprising to people is that I really do, I wind up suggesting a lot that people come up with some sort of outside of work and family commitment or hobby. 
Because what winds up happening is it looks on the time log like the person could theoretically have the time, right? Like there's, you know, an evening is, is you know, they have older kids, for instance, the evening is mostly just like screen time, for instance, or the, on the weekends, you know, there's some stuff, but then there's also a lot of period of time where they're doing chores or they're doing, you know, screen time because there's not something else there, right? And I think what happens is people have, you know, been so busy through their lives, like they've, you know, been dealing with work and, you know, with young kids and all this stuff. And then there comes a point where some amount of time opens up. But if you're still operating with the story that I have no time, like you don't think about what you're going to do with it and that the time keeps passing. And so you do something. And so I wind up suggesting to a fair number of people, like, think about it. Well, what what would you like to do? Like if you said, I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to devote two to three hours a week to something that I think would be really fun for me. What is that thing? And, you know, we'll see if people wind up doing it. But I, I, I just, I, this is my, my mission. <laughs> Tell everyone they need a hobby. Something else. Uh, so you're, you know, at least one night a week looks different or one chunk of weekend time um, looks, looks a little different and to challenge people to think that they might have space for it in their life. All right. So let's, uh, let's get to our questions because we have a lot of really good ones. We can go ahead and wait, let's take a break first. Okay. Okay. We'll do the break first and we'll be right back. (laughs) All right. Well, we are back with our hodgepodge episode. Now we're going into the question chunk of it. We're going to have a couple of questions because we've got a lot of great ones. We, we can we could do like all mailbag all the time, but uh, we try to mix it up a little bit. All right. So this one is particularly for Sarah. So she is a junior physician um, who is applying for a leadership position in a local organization. She's already on the board, so it makes sense. Um, however, it's going to be competitive. And so she is struggling to figure out how to tailor her application and her um, pitch of this. The organization values equity, diversity, inclusion. So she's hoping that she's, you know, not necessarily a traditional physician, meaning not a um, white man. (laughs) But uh, so but so she thinks she's not going to be automatically out of the running, um, you know, that this organization is open to this sort of thing. However, she's um, concerned about how she can be confident and sell herself for it. So what advice do we have for her? So I am no expert because I don't think I've ever done a hiring for something like this high up. But I definitely do a lot of interviewing for other types of positions, whether that's, you know, other physicians on our faculty and about 9 million residency interviews. So I got to say, enthusiasm to energy often sells itself like just bringing your all to the table and you may actually benefit from having a unique energy compared to maybe some of the older white male physicians that might be applying for the same job. And you can discuss in kind of an excited, positive way how your unique perspective is likely to bring in fresh ideas to this role that others may not be able to bring to the table. I think having a lot of, you know, pre- well, that's more Laura's tips, but preparing yourself really well, like, you know, being able to ask really knowledgeable questions so that they understand that you're really passionate about what the role entails can help. And yeah, I mean, I think the fact that you are thinking about it enough to write this email bodes really, really well because you're you're thinking about what are they looking for? Like, how do I make this feel like a great deal for them that, wow, this person falls into our lap and they get like points for including someone who isn't the traditional applicant as well. So best of luck. I think you have a lot going for you here. 
Yeah. And and especially since you're already on the board, you know the people who are making the decisions, which means that you can talk to them. Like, I mean, you can talk about like what they're thinking about the direction the organization wants to go. And then you, of course, speak to how you will lead the organization in that direction, right? Like that's what you're trying to solve their problem. They have a problem and you are coming in as the solution to that problem. And and just to um, invoke one of our previous guests, um, we had Kendra Hall on a few weeks ago, but the idea that storytelling really does help. And I know that stories are often very packaged and, you know, whatever, but if you can come up with a good narrative and a good authentic narrative about why, you know, the story of this organization, the logical next step is to have you lead it, right? Um, that that makes total sense with the story that they've got this, you know, problem that's been building and now you can come in to solve it or this direction that they've been going that you have also been going and now together you will go there. But something that is very um, a specific that has the narrative format can be incredibly powerful. Um, so practice that definitely quite a bit as you are talking about this. And, you know, just explain why you want it. But I think it helps to remember, ultimately, you cannot control what others do. So you may or may not get the job, but at least you can be clear to yourself and in making your case why you think you are the right person. Like, clearly, you do think you're the right person or you wouldn't be applying it. So say that. Say why you think you are the right person. And whatever comes out of it, I mean, it's it's not going to be bad that you did this. Like, there's no downside to doing this because you will elevate your career a lot. You put yourself in front of a lot of decision makers, you know, put your name out there as somebody who will be, who you should look to for the future for various things. So I'm really glad you're doing this. Yes. Oh, well, you'll have to update us. Best of luck. And, you know, we'll see. But you're right. That's It's going to put your you as an eye as a leader in the eyes of these people. So if it doesn't work out this time, it'll probably work out next time. Yeah, exactly. All right, next listener question. This listener is going out on 16 weeks of maternity leave. This person's husband will also be off work, has a long paternity leave in his industry, which is great. Um, Their first child is in full-time pre-kindergarten and they moved six months ago. So there's not a ton to declutter or organize. Neither of them can work while on leave without jeopardizing their benefits. They're prioritizing savings for some house projects. They don't want to spend money. We don't sit still well, she says. With our first, we both actually got bored enough that we went back to work a few weeks early. So help us be more interesting this time around. All right, Sarah, what should they do to be more interesting? Um, You know, once they've sort of settled in with the new baby a couple of weeks in and they can start having a bit more capacity to do stuff, what should they do? Yeah, this is such a fun question. I like doing the thought experiment myself. I mean, the first thing that came to mind for me was some kind of class, some kind of kind of course that like normally you wouldn't really have time for that might be incremental and you could dedicate a certain number of hours to it every day. I mean, it could be in anything. I was thinking about like yoga teacher training, guitar, learning to code, calligraphy, art, I don't know, anything. So whatever is in your passion that you always thought you'd pursue when you have more time, well, you probably will have a little bit more time, at least for some of those weeks, again, especially with your partner home as well. That is such a fantastic setup. I also like the idea of a reading challenge. I like the idea of reading challenges anyway, but you could decide to read all the works of one author. You could decide to like explore different genres that you don't normally follow. I read about a reading challenge recently that someone did. This one's a little much for 16 weeks, but she read one book from each year from the years of like 1919 to 2018 or something like that. 
oh my goodness, like what an ambitious project. And like you would learn so much history and how the different thought anyway. So I thought that was super cool. So something like that, maybe a mini version. And then finally, making a list of little adventures in your area and like, you know, just kind of like a bucket list of things to do either with your kid or shorter trips to do while your kid is in school. I mean, my first thought was like a longer haul travel experience. Like, yes, of course, traveling, you know, being in a hotel with a newborn, that might not be fun. But if you kind of decide to go somewhere for an entire month and you're renting a house, so that's just like new surroundings, like that could be a really fun time to do it. Yeah, no, that could work. I mean, it's pre-K. It's not, you know, school where you can't miss it. So they they could pull themselves out. But yeah, I love the idea of a mini challenge. Like you could read War and Peace or start a blog or, um, you know, just generally set a pace for one big adventure and one little adventure each week. And an adventure, I mean, big adventure, I mean, like four hours. So could totally do while your big kid was in school. And newborn's pretty portable. So go hike, go to a museum. But, you know, try to do at least one per week. So you are feeling interesting. All right. So the next question This person was writing specifically to Sarah because their four-year-olds are a few weeks apart in age. So she loves her Genevieve stories. And she said, okay, well, as happens with this age, we are losing the afternoon nap. With our daughter, um, you know, she's excited for what's to come. However, she does need afternoon time to decompress. She'd get rejuvenated by a nap, but I'm hoping to find a non-screen activity to do the same for quiet time. So this listener had heard in the past about doing things like podcasts and audiobooks for young children who obviously can't read yet, but aren't going to nap. And if you're trying to come up with something that's not, you know, video games for for the two hours or hour in the afternoon that you hope in there decompressed. Um, so that's maybe an option. But she wonders if there's anything else, like what, what has Sarah been doing for Genevieve in this um, post-nap, but not yet reading stage? Yes. So we haven't had a nap in our house for more than a year now, because my kids usually right around three, if they are napping, they are not going to sleep anywhere at an acceptable time. Like they'll want to be up at 10 or 11 and I refuse. So we tend to be an early, we encourage the loss of the nap early, even though that sort of seems backwards. I gotta admit like right now, and this isn't really, it's not really for her to decompress necessarily. Although to some extent, just sitting around and watching a more peaceful show can be a little bit of a break and a decompression. It's more to give myself a break and my husband a break and for all of us to have some downtime, usually because we've had an active morning. And so, yeah, screen time is our normal answer. I mean, our normal weekend template during the week, it's not really an issue. Um, She goes to school until 3 p.m. So when she gets home, I don't know, we're busy and then she goes to bed by 7.30, so it's fine. I don't I don't notice like that need for downtime necessarily. Maybe she gets it in the car. I think sometimes she takes like a five-minute nap literally in the car. But on the weekend, usually we're like active in the morning and then we have lunch usually at home or out if we're somewhere. And then my kids all know like around 1.30, they're allowed to start screen time and she's included in that. She doesn't always want the screen time for the entire block with the other two because, you know, she'll wander around and start playing with other toys and things, which is fine. But that does give everybody a break. It seems to be calming enough. I think some shows can be more calming than others. So you can think about what kind of content they're consuming. And I love the idea of like an audiobook. I think that might be another good option, especially if, you know, the other kids are, are watching something that she's not interested in. And then I could just like put something audio or podcast on while she plays with like Calico Critters or whatever, that could totally work as well. But I don't have a series in mind right now. So if listeners do, let us know. 
Yes, sorry, I'm managing a crisis. Somebody missed the bus for the half day. Ugh, I'm just, hopefully that's gonna. Hopefully somebody else can deal with it. We need to leave that in. Yes, this is real <laughs> life, everyone. Yeah, I don't have a. I we've just done screen time too. I mean, you know, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> everyone needs a brain bank eventually. Um, that is kind of life. All right. So then the last question from multiple people is where do you put the Lego projects after you are done? So just a little background of here. We, um, you know, I've written a lot about doing Legos with my big kids that there's, you know, it's a fun thing to do with a preteen child. It's something you can both get into. It takes a little bit of time every night, so you don't have to do too much, but there's, you know, very straightforward things to do. So we've done a lot of these. Of course, they add up. (laughs) Like there's a lot of Legos around the house. So it depends. My daughter tends to like play with hers more after they've been built. But then, of course, they fall apart because they're being played with. So um, a lot of those tend to wind up in a Lego bin, just extra pieces uh, that they could be repurposed for something eventually. The boys, we've, we've tended to make more of those sort of display type things. Like it's actually really meant to be done as like an artwork that you display. So it's, uh, you know, an, an option. Just put it up on their dresser. If you haven't done a million of them, then, you know, you could do a couple that you could display. And the seasonal ones we, we put away as Christmas decorations. We pull out our Lego gingerbread houses and put them up as, as Christmas decorations. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have to get rid of all of them. I mean, certainly you don't have to keep all of them either. But I, I don't think there has to be a universal answer. It's kind of like, do you like looking at it? And if so, treat it as you would like a vase, a, you know, a framed photo or whatever. Put it up somewhere in the house. And if you're not that excited about it, then you know, have a Lego bin somewhere. I think a lot of families wind up with a Lego bin somewhere where all the pieces go. This could be great for like a neighborhood swap or like buy nothing. Like if if your kid has like a ton of them and they have some they're ready to let go of, like, especially if you could find the manual somewhere, like throw it all in one plastic bag. And I'm sure somebody in the neighborhood would like take the whole thing off your hands happily. Yes, exactly. Or they could trade. Yeah. Even Duplos. I mean, like Duplos, kids will play with for a long time and there's always young families who could use them. So, all right, love of the week. Sarah, what do, you, what do you have this week? My love of the week is charging cords, specifically, and this is a non-spawn, the Anchor brand is just such a workhorse brand. You can get it on Amazon, super inexpensive. I never had enough charging cords, and I was like, I'm buying 15 charging cords. And my, and we decided that we'd each like have a color. So I have red cords, and I have like one silver cord for my computer, and I'm just corded up and I love it because like after a while, they'll start to, you know, the, the, even the original ones will fray sometimes. So it's one of those things you should not put up with a non-working charging cord or like halfway working charging cord for years. I've done it. It's a very easy to remedy. Buy some new cords. Nice. Yes. Solve that problem. Since we were talking Legos, I would say that um, we are recording this on Thursday, you know, January 27th. Apparently Friday, January 28th is actually Lego Day, like National Lego Day or something. So we can we can celebrate that. They're, you know, they're fun. I actually really like the Lego Friends. Um, we've gotten a fair number of the Lego Friends sets for Ruth. I, you know, I, I don't like the idea of there being separate girl and boy toys. And certainly, obviously, girls can play with any Lego sets they wish. And boys can, you know, have Lego Friends as well. But I think Lego thought about it. Like, I, it, they didn't just make it pink. Like, it's, they thought about the, their characters I'm like, there's Olivia and, you know, Emma, and they, they repeat from set to set. And so you, you know, have them as characters that you can play with. And, you know, she kind of like has them do stuff in there. And, you know, whereas I think the boys have been more focused on like, let's get it done, like get through the set, you know? And so it's just, you know, kind of, you know, obviously children are all over a range and bell curves and whatever, but 
I don't think Lego, you know, when they wanted to get more girls playing with their sets, they didn't just say like, make them pink and it'll be great. Like they actually, I think, watched girls play and thought about it. And I think that's apparent in, in a lot of the Lego friends designs. So, you know, I'm a fan of that. I love it. I was just going to add one thing, which is that my kids had a very interesting debate about what was better Legos versus Minecraft Mm -hmm. in terms of like, well, this is more flexible, but this is tactile and you can hear it and feel it. And, you know, they ultimately decided on Minecraft with one of the arguments being that it was better for the environment. Well, there you go. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds, a hodgepodge episode. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.